It's the Adam Crowley Show. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Matt Williamson going to be joining us in a few minutes here on the Crowley Show. If you could pick one player on the Steelers' defense to break out this year, and only one, which one would it be? We'll ask him that question. we got Phil Steele talking college football. It's a football hour here on the Crowley Show. He'll be coming up at 5.40. It is Matt Williamson right now. Williamson, how are you today, my friend? I am terrific. How are you? I'm terrific, too. Tomorrow's my last day at work before I go on vacation for a week and a half, so I'm mailing it in. You want to join me tomorrow for a full three hours? How about that? Sure, why not? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, Williamson, I do want to ask you about the AFC hierarchy and where the Steelers fit in that, but before we get there, the question I asked at the outset of the show is, if you could pick one Steelers defensive player to break out this year, not which one do you think it will be, but which one would be your choice? Mine would be T.J. Watt, because I'd like to see an outside linebacker actually get consistent pressure for this team. So you're asking me who do I want to break out or who do I think will break out? We can do both. Let's start with want. I'm kind of leaning towards Watt for both of them, though. Oh. You know, I really think he's a very good football player and is developing the right way and showed us a lot, and I do think... I think when we talked a week ago, I said something along the lines of, who's the guy on this defense besides Cam Hayward do you think could be a pro bowler this year? And Watt was my answer. So I think he could break out. Who do I want to break out? Let's keep it along those lines, but say Bud Dupree, although I don't think he will. You know, like if he broke out, wow, now you're talking. Yeah, actually, damn it. That makes me want to change my answer because I think DJ Watt's got a really good opportunity to do so. I don't know how much I believe now at this point in Bud Dupree ever becoming the player we'd all want him to be. But if he could become that guy and Watt continue on his upward trajectory, now we're talking. Right. I mean, so really we should pick a guy like Keon Adams or Tyler <laughs> Medikavich to turn into the next Luke Keekley. That would be nice. No, you just picked him because he's a white guy. You don't you don't really think he could be Keekley. Of course not. He could be Zach Thomas. That would be an upgrade, too. Matt <laughs> Williamson joins us here. On the Crowley show. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Your little exercise. If you pick the not-so-great player to be great, then that's a big jump. Uh, you've ruined my ruined hi- you've ruined time. my hypothetical radio segment here. Uh, I yeah. mean, you've really screwed the whole pooch. Yeah, I want Vince Williams to turn into Ray Lewis. How about that? Right, exactly. And then we're all set. Yeah. I, I will ask this question along those lines, though. Is it more important for a pass rusher on this team to take that next step, or do they need a guy like... Sean Davis or Artie Burns to step up? That's a good question, and I'm not sure I have a definitive answer, but I'm not sure you and I have had this conversation. I mean, the whole edge pass rush situation is a little bit chicken or egg to me. You know, that if Watt and Dupree were Khalil Mack and Von Miller, they would rush them every snap, and this pass rush would be awesome. But they're not, and they still generate a lot of sacks. So the defense is not short on pressure. And in today's NFL, with all the quick-hitting, get-it-out-now type of pass plays, interior pressure is better than outside pressure. And I do believe that you could allow – there's five, six, seven completions every game where if you didn't block the edge defenders, they still wouldn't get home. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So so it is kind of a chicken-or-the-egg situation. I mean, having a great edge pass rusher – 
like Kevin Green or Lloyd or like we've had here for so long would be wonderful, and maybe Watt turns into that guy. But it's not like the pass rush has suffered because of it, and he's good in coverage. You know what I'm saying? I do. Can Stefan Tuitt take that next step then this year? Absolutely. I mean, he could be a great player, yes. If he gives you what Cam Hayward gave you last year, and Cam Hayward repeats his performance, they are absolutely Super Bowl contenders then, no? Agreed, agreed, because they're such... That's a very important position that's growing in importance, like I mentioned, the Fletcher Coxes and Aaron Donalds. They give you consistent pass rush, and they blitz a lot, and they blitz well. I mean, I don't know that you're going to get a dozen sacks combined from right. Vince Williams and you know and Hilton again next year, but they're good at what they do, and they'll get home a few times, and I bet Watt takes a step forward, and hopefully the pretext takes a step forward. So overall, I'm not super concerned about the pass rush, but kind of what you're alluding to, it would be great to have an edge guy that's a real difference maker, without question. I'm not ignoring that at all. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Okay, Matt, let's take a look now at the AFC and the group of contenders there. First, we'll start in the AFC North. Any challengers there? No. Well, first of all, I always say this this time of year, and I repeat it year after year after year. All these teams look better now than they will from going forward. Everything's bad from here on out. You know, like, I can paint a picture where almost all these teams are better than they were a year ago because – all the rookies are going to pan out. All the guys coming back from injury are going to be great. You know, no one's going to get hurt. You know, they're going to have, they're going to have J.J. Watt for the whole year, and Watson's not going to get hurt. I mean, people still going to get hurt, and everything basically that happens between now and as the season goes on is bad. But I do think the Ravens are competitive, well-coached, good on defense, great on special teams, get a lot back from offense, and I love Lamar Jackson. So I don't think they're going away. I don't think that there's another playoff team likely in the division but I think Cincinnati's defense is something that I think people around here are sleeping on and nationally they're sleeping on. I think it's the best defense in the division and maybe Whoa. a top five type of unit. A lot of young guys like Lawson and William Jackson, I mean, I think are ready to really burst out. And their offensive line doesn't stink anymore. Their roster's not bad. And the Browns' roster's good. I mean, the Browns have, I, I thought last year they had four or five win talent. And now they're more talented. I don't think they're well-coached, though. That's interesting, because I like Hugh Jackson as an offensive coordinator. I just don't know how things are going to go with him at the head coaching position. Yeah, and I don't. I really thought that he hung Kaiser out to dry. And I'm not defending Kaiser, but didn't do him any favors at all. I mean, really made life difficult on a rookie quarterback, and that's hard. But... Kaiser killed that team with turnovers last year, and Tyrod Taylor is the most conservative ball security guy out there. So just by the fact that their turnover ratio probably won't be historically bad, they have to be a little more competitive just from that perspective. Any playoff teams there? Maybe Cincy. The AFC stinks. You know, like I was saying this the other day, if Tampa Bay were in the AFC, they'd be a contender, but I'm going to pick them fourth in their division. You know, like, the NFC is loaded, and I'm not sure that there's six deserved playoff teams in the AFC when it's all said and done. So when it comes to prediction time, maybe I'll pick a Cincy to be 9-7 and seven and get in. The East, anybody other than the Patriots? No. I think Miami's better than people think, but they're a six-win team. And I think the Jets and especially the Bills are poor. I mean, they're amongst – I did a power ranks, and those three teams were in my bottom six. The I mean, West, then. The Patriots always have it so easy. 
They do. And you know what? I mean, a lot of that's because they did this to the other teams, too, though. <laughs> well, sure. I, I absolutely think that it's hard to sign players in free agency who are going to go to those cold-weather cities, although Miami's not. But you got to go out there, and then you have to play New England, and you know you're not going to win the division. Yeah, F that. I'm not doing that. So right. uh, let's move on now to the West. Right. Uh, and, you know, okay, before we get to the West, then, this is absolutely going to happen because this happens every damn year. The Patriots are going to have not a great first month. They're going to have a so-so decent first right. month. One of those teams is going to come out 4-0 and or 3-1. and Is this the year? That- no, it's not the year. And it absolutely is. That's right. You know, Patriots will shuffle their offensive line around and figure out where they're at, and then they'll win their last 10 in a row. Yes, exactly. Uh, and one of them coming in controversial fashion against the Steelers with the ball. Uh, not surviving the ground. Okay, now to the West. Are the Chargers the team to beat? Yes. And I picked them last year, if you recall. I do. And I don't regret that at all. If they could have made a field goal in the first three, four, five weeks of the season, they would have been possibly a bye-week team in the playoffs, let alone a you know, they, I think they won seven of the last nine or something along those lines. I mean, they were very, very hot in the end of the season. I think they're the most talented team. I think they have the best quarterback, but they're sort of cursed in a Browns-like fashion too, and we've already seen it. Hunter Henry's out for the year. Yeah, that stinks. Uh, I do. I am with you though on them now. Uh, last year they were unfortunate, and well, yeah. here, here they go again. Uh, they also have no home field advantage. Yeah, that's a problem. It is. That's hard. Uh, the opposite of that is true with the Chiefs. They're a very good team at home. Tough place to play. Uh, they've now got Patrick Mahomes. You and I both love this guy. Playoff team in Kansas City. Maybe because the AFC stinks. And I do love Mahomes. And I dislike Alex Smith. But I keep saying this. Is Mahomes going to be better in 2018 than Smith was in 2017, which was the best year of his career, and he frankly played very, very well? I bet the answer is no. You know, I bet Mahomes is absolutely fun to watch and his highlight reel will be jaw-dropping, but I think he'll make a lot of mistakes this year, as most guys do in those type of situations. I think the offense is utterly loaded with talent. I think the defense is pretty darn bad. So I think the Chiefs might be the most entertaining team to watch in 42-41 to type of games week after week (laughs) with him throwing all over the place. But in the end, I don't think that's a lot of wins. Anything coming out of the Broncos or Raiders this year? I think Denver's improved. I think the Raiders are worse, but no. We move on now to the South. Doesn't leave much. What's that? Doesn't leave much. The AFC's bad. Yeah, it is bad. Uh, that's why Deshaun Watson comes in and carves it up next year, right? Maybe. You know, they get Watt back. They get Merciless back. They got Watson back. They they play the easiest schedule in the league, but they have the worst offensive line in the league. They don't have much of a running game. They don't have a tight end. Um. I actually did my locked on podcast today. I broke down this this division, you know, doing over under win totals. And this division in general plays a very easy schedule. But I still look at Houston and say, man, a lot could go wrong. And I hate saying this about Watson, but I don't know that he can stay healthy too. You know, like he this has gone back to Clemson. It's the worst O line in the league. He extends plays at a remarkable rate in like a Russell Wilson style of fashion, and it puts puts himself in harm's way a lot. Give me six playoff teams now, Williamson. Right now, we won't hold you to it, but on June 20th, six playoff teams. Sure, I think the Jags probably – I think the Jags are going backwards, but I like the Jags and Tennessee in the south. I'll get. I'll take the Chargers, the Stullers, the Pats, and the Bungles. 
the Jags' defense is obviously just unbelievable. Yes. Do you think that they're a team that challenges for a bye week, or, or do you think that they're one that, again, even last year they had an easy schedule second half of the season, but they wound up 10-6? and six. I think I'm going to pick Tennessee to win that division, and I love the Jag D. I just think their passing game is one of the worst in the league, and that Bortles should not be an NFL starting quarterback. And, you know, we saw this with the Broncos a couple years ago. That's a really hard formula yeah. in a league that's driven by the passing game. You, you know, you, you can't win 13-9 times, you know, week after oh, week. Yeah, always throwing 13-9 in my face. I do. Matt Williamson joining us here on the Crowley Show. Okay, then I, I want to do this quickly. I don't know if that's fair to you, but you know your stuff better than anybody else I know, so I'm going to do it to you quickly anyhow. Uh, that's what he said. Six teams in the NFC then. Go. I think the Saints are really good. I like the Eagles quite a bit. I think the Vikes might have a tougher year than people think. I will pick the Rams in the West, although they take a step backwards. Atlanta's a playoff team. Packers with Rodgers is a playoff team. I think that's six. That is six. And then how many others are fringe playoff teams? I think you could name probably Another three or four more. Yeah, right. I mean, that's what I'm even putting the Vikes in. I think Washington's a little better than people think. I didn't even mention Carolina. I mean, they went last year. They're a good team. What about the Giants? I like, like I want guys on my fantasy team. I think they'll throw a lot. <laughs> you know, they have all these weapons, and I think Barkley's a superstar. But now I'm worried about the D. Like, their pass rush isn't really there anymore without Pierre Paul. You know, they're kind of a rush forward type of team. Um, I think they'll be better. I don't think they'll pick in the top five, but I don't know that they're a contender. Washington will be who I pick in the second place in that division. All right, real last thing now for Matt Williamson here on the Crowley Show. Here's a quote from Le'Veon Bell. I want your thoughts on it because I'm going to break it down next. He said, quote, I don't really compare myself to a lot of other running backs. That's no offense to any other running back, but just the fact that I can see and avoid hits. It's not like when I get the ball 30 or 35 times and I'm really taking 30 car crashes. Either I'm delivering the blow or I'm getting to the ground. I'm sore after games, but it's not like I'm aching. I don't have to miss practices. I can go full speed and be good. And, quote, I think he's full of crap. I think he did take a step backwards last year. I do, too. And I keep pumping my stuff. You know, my website, WilliamsonFootball.com, this went live like five minutes ago. I did my top ten running backs. He was fifth. Who do you got before him? Well, the obvious ones, I David Johnson, one, Gurley, two, Zeke, three, and people will go, Williamson, you're out of your mind, but I took Kamara fourth. No! Oh! I think he's so good already. Whoa! I think he's better right this minute than Le'Veon Bell. I don't think people know that Le'Veon was not anywhere near as good last year as he was two years ago. I've been singing it from the hilltops. Well, you have, but, I mean, right. who, who are you? I, mean, I know a thing or two about a thing or two. Oh, that is true. Uh, Williamson, I appreciate the time. I'm not going to call you next week because I'm off, so be thank happy you. for that. Uh, and thank you for everything, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks probably. Splendid. See you later. Later on. Goodbye. Avita said. Adios. Sayonara. Peace. Later. I'm out. Coming up next. Which Steelers defensive player do you want to see break out for the Steelers this year? If only one guy can, and you really believe Le'Veon whenever he says he's feeling aight? I don't. It's a Crowley show. Before we get to the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined, I have to repeat this question that I asked on Twitter.com. 
I'll open it up to the phone lines, 412-922-2874. I think Artemi Panarin is the hockey name that sounds most like a Harry Potter spell. You have anything that beats that? If I walk up to the poker table and I sit down and I play Harry Potter spell Artemi Panarin, do I get beat? I don't know. That's a tough one. Do I have to say it like it's a Harry Potter spell? Do you want yes, me to set the scene please. better? Can you please? I can probably set the scene a little bit better. Artemi Panarin! Maybe if I counted that with maybe like a... Timu Solani! Oh, Timu Solani's not bad. Zarly Zapowski! Ilya Brizgalov! Chepo Numinen! Oli Mata! Ron Tugnut. What's that spell for? That is the wizarding masturbation spell. Yes. Yes. Ron Tugnut! I would imagine, okay, now we break this wide open, that Ron Weasley was probably not having to do anything with his own hands. I had no point. Why do you think it's called the Ron Tugnut spell? I mean, BAM! If you can conjure up a doe, a deer, a female deer to scare off dementors, then I imagine that you could conjure up a hand to, well, you know. Ron Tugnut. You'd have to whisper that one, though, so Mrs. Weasley wouldn't hear. Of course. Yeah. You're in the back of the jalopy, parked in the side yard. Ron Tugnut. Ron Tugnut. Yorkorutu! Pavel Datsuk! Oh, that's good. That's a good one. James Neal! That doesn't work. Miku Koivu! Do you want to play the game the other way? Which Harry Potter spells could be hockey players? And now Crosby walks in on the left wing. He passes it over to Adamacadabra. He scores. Here he comes. Petrificus Totalis down the wing. He passes it off back to Petrificus. He scores. Henrik Sederberg carries the puck into the offensive zone. He passes it over to Expecto Patronum. Oh, Patronum with the goal. He lights the lamp. I think you got a better play-by-play voice than I do. I was just, I was too excited there. Alohomora all alone in front. He backhands it in. He scores. I don't know if Alohomora worked. What else is there? Obliviate. That's only one word. He can be like the share of the NHL. He only has one name. He passes it to Obliviate. Obliviate. Absolutely dangling through the defense. And he scores! It's a Murphy dump in the air. Sectum Sempra picks it up. Cuts it back to the middle. Sempra! He scores! Sectum Sempra with the hat trick is ninth of the year. And the Penguins take a 4-2 to two lead. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. This is the rare cross section or intersection of the Harry Potter in the sports world. Got a couple of Zarly Zapaskis here. Zalapskis, pardon me. Mikkel Bodker. Nah, I'm not in love with that one. Any finish name, though, I do think it's close. That works. Yeah, any finish name. It's time for 
the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by to be determined i do think sectum sempra could wind up being a legitimate like fullback all right one more before we get to football mm, darius gasparitis That's a fabulous one. That turns into a ghost. Here's what Le'Veon Bell had to say to Jeremy Fowler of ESPN. Quote, I don't really compare myself to a lot of other running back. That's no offense to any other running back, but just the fact that I can see and avoid hits. It's not like when I get the ball 30 or 35 times and I'm taking 30 car crashes. Either I'm delivering the blow or I'm getting to the ground. I'm sore after games, but it's not like I'm aching. I don't have to miss practices. I can go full speed and be good. Le'Veon isn't worried about his body breaking down. I am. Two years ago, Le'Veon Bell averaged five yards a carry. Last year, it was four. Le'Veon did not quite have the explosion that he had in last year's game as he did two years ago. I don't think this is hyperbole. I'm also only 27 years old, so take that with a grain of salt. I think the Harry Potter segment there uh, makes you realize just how young I am. But that season, two years ago, what Le'Veon Bell put out there was by far the best season I've ever seen a running back have in my life. The way that he caught the ball. The way that he ran the ball, the way that he exploded up the football field, the way that he finished plays and runs. We don't see that from him anymore. And I don't know if that was because he missed training camp. I tend not to think that that's the reason, but the first handful of games, first three in fact, we didn't see him get the ball as much as we had in seasons past. If you go back two seasons when the Steelers were 4-5 and five and they needed Le'Veon Bell to be the best player in the game, he was to the tune of 146 yards per game. Last year, Le'Veon Bell was the man to the tune of 126 yards per game. I think those yards make a difference. I think they show that the explosion wasn't quite there. I think that's just natural for running back. And even if Le'Veon Bell feels like he's not slowing down, I'm sure he is to an extent. Doesn't mean he can't be a top five running back this le- this year. As Matt Williams said in the last segment, he still has him as a top five running back. But I think that there's a big difference when you consider the first best player in the league at a position and the fifth best player in the league at a position. Would you rather have Tom Brady or Russell Wilson? Rather have Tom Brady. What are you shaking your head about over there? Get the hell out of here, I mean, here, Russell Tom. Wilson's younger. Yes, okay, but for one season, I don't need you to be... Shut the... You know what? Darius Gasparitis! I think there's a big difference in that. And I think when you're a team like the Steelers who can't count on the defense and whose quarterback, while great, is also inconsistent, you need to be consistent at the running position. You need to know what you're going to get there. You need to help keep the offense efficient. And I just don't think he was the same player last year as he was two years ago. He's also been very injury-prone. He's played three playoff games in his career. He played last year against Jacksonville. was very good. And he played against Miami, and he played against Kansas City the year prior. Full games. He did play against the New England Patriots in the AFC Championship game two years ago, and, well, we all know what happened there. He's been good when he's suited up there. And I don't necessarily know if it is the compiling of all these hits that he's taken that has made him 
the guy who's slowing down. I Sloan. Slowed down. What's that movie with Matthew Broderick? He skipped school. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Sloan's hot. Are you kidding me? No, that's what happened there. Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, I was confused. I confused myself. I said Sloan instead of slowed. That's a problem. That's why I took the Stan Saverin 15 second pause there. Try to think of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anyway. Who's to say that he got hurt because of too many touches? Could it just have been wrong place at wrong time? Could it have been bad luck? Yeah, absolutely. But I do think that the wearing down has been an issue. Your thoughts on Le'Veon Bell, and if you want Ferris Bueller's day off at 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. I also had this question earlier on in the show. What defensive player do you want to see break out for the Steelers this year? If only one guy can. Now, Williamson tried to throw a wrench in my whole plan. He tried to screw the pooch here. He tried to change the parameters on my game. He said, why not Keon Adams? Why not have a guy who stinks, who hasn't done anything in the league, who can take off and be a tremendous football player, and then that way all the other average football players will look great by comparison? Screw you, Williamson. That's not the game we're playing. I'll give you four options. Sean Davis, Artie Burns, Stephon Tewitt, or TJ Watt. Which player do you want to see break out? And I think there is merit for each of them. Steelers haven't forced enough turnovers. Sean Davis and Artie Burns could be huge there. I think they've both had great moments over the last two years. I don't think either of them grew enough last year. The way that quarterbacks get rid of the football, I don't think you'd mind seeing Stephon Tewitt. He's an interior pass rusher. He's got a bunch of talent. I think he's closer than any player on this list. But since it's only T.J. Watt's second year, and since he had seven sacks last year and provided a great service as a coverage linebacker, I think he's most likely to break out, along with Stefan Tewitt. And I think he's the guy I'd most want to see. I know that the Steelers play a hybrid defense. I know that they're going to play sub-package a bunch. But when you play the way the Steelers play, You really need your outside linebackers to get to the quarterback. And you need them to be efficient. And we haven't seen efficiency out of that position since it was James Harrison and Lamar Woodley back in the day. They need more there. And they haven't gotten enough. So that's the guy I want to see. What say you? 412-922-2874. If I had to tier them in terms of the order in which I think they could break out, I'll go Watt and to it 1A, 1B. Because I think Tewitt's been a really good player in this league. I don't necessarily think it would consider be considered a breakout breakout. It would be the next step for him. What? It would be a little bit more of a breakout. So go those two. Then I'd go Artie Burns and Sean Davis. In that order. Josh tweets at underscore Adam Crowley. I get it. Lev Bell wants paid. Bottom line, he has a job and needs to do it. And that includes showing up to work. He's not under contract, though, Josh. It's just never going to happen. So we can scream to the clouds, we can yell to high heavens, but he's not going to come and play for the Steelers this year until he absolutely has to. He's not going to show up until after training camp. I like drinking with the boys. I like that part of training camp. I hate having to do seven hours of Steelers coverage every day when it's 95 degrees and I'm sweating out all the booze from the night before. Le'Veon Bell, 
hates it for different reasons, but also similar reasons. You got to be out there all day in the hills of Latrobe, away from your life, and you're just sweating the entire time. I understand why he doesn't want to be there. I do think it negatively affects the team, but I'm not going to kill him for it. What I will kill him for is not having accepted the contract that the Steelers put in front of him either last offseason or this one. Coming up next, more football, baby. I'm jammed up. That was the unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Special treat. I realize it's June 20th, but when you get an opportunity to talk to Phil Steele from philsteele.com and espn.com, you do. So we'll talk to Phil Steele about pit football, Penn State football, and West Virginia football next at ESPN Pittsburgh. We just had our great unsponsored football segment brought to you by To Be Determined. We've now got Phil Steele. This is another great football segment, this time of the college football variety. He's, of course, ESPN Insider, and you can check out his Phil Steele College Football Preview Magazine. I get it every single year. Phil, thank you so much for taking the time today. Hey, a real pleasure. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about the University of Pittsburgh. I do want to touch on West Virginia and Penn State with you uh, as well, but I don't think so far that we've seen Pat Narduzzi quite live up to the expectations. Uh, he had a good year a couple of years ago. Uh, they defeated Clemson last year. They beat Miami. So there have absolutely been moments. How far away do you think this team is from being a legitimate division contender? Um, I don't know if they're going to quite get there this year, but uh, I see the improvement coming for uh, Pitt. And I think once once they get to the uh, Narduzzi, having his entire personnel on the defensive side of the ball, including those shutdown cornerbacks, then I think we're going to see the offense maybe uh, get some decent quarterback play. Things could change. And, and this year I do see an improved Pitt team. I mean, they're a team that had been to a lot of bowl games, just came painfully close last year at 5-7. and seven. Uh, when I talked to Coach Arduzzi this year, he likes what he's got a quarterback and Kenny Pickett says he could be the best they've had there in quite some time. Uh, you look at the running backs with Hall, Davis, and Allison, they're all solid. Uh, the receiving core, uh, is decent, not overwhelming. The offensive line looks good, and defensively, the front seven looks good. But number 43 rated defensive line, number 25 set of linebackers. Now, uh, Pitt, when you look at them, uh, coming into the season, they've got a fairly tough schedule. Number 20 in the country, you have talking, taking on teams like Penn State in the non-conference slate, Notre Dame in the non-conference slate as well. But I think this team's got a chance to get back to a bowl game. I don't know if they're a, a true contender in the coastal this year, though. You did not mention the fact that they're playing defending champion UCF as well in the non-conference schedule, Phil. <laughs> Forgot. That sort of slipped my mind. And, uh, yeah, and UCF had a great record last year. Uh, and actually, Pitt will probably be a slight underdog in that game. UCF has got a lot of talent coming back this year. Uh, Phil Steele joining us here on the Crowley Show. So when you look at the ACC Coastal pecking order, uh, where do you have Pitt in terms of that this year? Uh, actually, I have them sixth, uh, which is pretty low considering where I thought they would be when I, after I finished talking to Coach Narduzzi. But it's a loaded division here in the Coastal. Uh, you know, Georgia Tech always rebounds big when Paul Johnson uh, is there, and they're coming off a losing season. Virginia Tech, you always have to count near the top. I think Duke's got one of the best defenses in the country. I read it number 18. Wow. And North Carolina is a team that, uh, you know, in 15 and 16, they were 13 and 4 in ACC play. Everybody 
everybody forgets about that. Everybody's picking them sixth in the, the division right now. But I think when you look at North Carolina, they don't have to face Clemson, Florida State, Louisville, or B.C. They've got four, uh, 13 returning starters coming back. I think they're going to be a much improved team. And they've always been tough on Pitt since they've joined the ACC. Phil Steele joining us here on the Crowley Show. Now, how about Pitt's second opponent of the season, Penn State? I think Pitt fans would consider the season a success no matter what happens if they're just able to beat Penn State. Uh, what kind of chances do you give them in that contest? Uh, you know, I, I rank it pretty pretty decent chance. I've got uh, right now in Vegas, Penn State's a 14-point favorite, but I only have about a 6-point favorite wow. in the game. Uh, you know, when you look at Penn State, they lost a lot on the defensive side of the ball. They only have three returning starters on that side. They're still very talented. In fact, you know, going through the team every year with Coach Franklin, I'll take you back to the first year, which was five years ago. They went about one deep. Very, very little guys in the second deep or third deep. Now they go three, four deep in almost every single position. They've got Trace McSorley back, and yes, they're going to miss Saquon Barkley, but I think Miles Sanders does well there. The receiving core is solid with Tompkins and Johnson. The offensive line, I rate 15 best in the country, the defensive line. I still rate eighth best in the country despite the losses, wow. and the special teams are good as well. They're one of nine teams that rank in my top units in all eight position categories, and they're a legitimate national title contender as well. I have number 12 in my power poll, but when you look at their schedule, uh, they, you know, they get Ohio State at home, which is huge, and they're, they only have one road game against a team that had a winning record last year. That's Michigan, a team they beat 42-13. to I think if everything came together well for Penn State, especially defensively, they could be extremely tough. But uh, I look at this as a rivalry game. I look at the fact that the last time Penn State traveled to Pitt, they ended up losing. Last year's game was probably closer than the final score Sure. And that's why I don't have them an overwhelming favorite on the road. I think that's going to be a great game. Phil, uh, just looking at Penn State's schedule, as you alluded to, uh, Wisconsin's on there. Uh, they'll play Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State. How do you see those teams tiered? I, I see a lot of people have Wisconsin and their returning offensive line as a, a legit favorite this year. Yeah, I've got Wisconsin's offensive line rated number one in the country, and they've got some guy at running back, Jonathan Taylor, who uh, really burst on the scene last year. They've got a veteran junior quarterback in Alex Hornerbrook. Uh, they have my number three or number two linebacking core in the country, number 14 set of DBs. They're loaded. The only thing I don't like about Wisconsin this year is their schedule gets a lot tougher. You look at last year, they had one of those schedules where their road games were against Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, and Nebraska. Well, this year their road games are against Iowa in Kinnick. Stadium, Michigan, Northwestern, and Penn State. So it's a lot tougher road schedule for the Badgers this year. But I do think that there's still a legitimate title contender along with the four teams in the East. And the Big Ten East is the best division in all of college football. We're talking Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and Michigan State all in the same division. And I think all four of those teams are legitimate top ten and legitimate uh, title contenders. I want to flip to West Virginia now. Uh, I am a big West Virginia guy. Uh, went there. took me five years to graduate, but I think that's one of the reasons why I love them as much as I do. Are they a legit Big 12 contender this year? I think they are. The Big 12 is wide open. I would go uh, six deep in my Big 12 title contenders, and you have to put West Virginia up there. And they've got the, you know, they're the sexy team because they've got Will Greer back at quarterback. And, you know, I think they probably would have won a couple more games than seven last year had Greer not got injured at the end of the season. If they can keep him healthy, they're in great shape. They've got two outstanding receivers in Gary Jenkins and David Sills. Jennings, I should say, and Sills. Uh, both basically 1,000-yard receivers last year. The offensive line looks solid. And when Tony Gibson, their 
their defensive coordinator, finally has a veteran defense. I mean, he's had three returning starters and three returning starters the last two years. Now, this year he steps it up. He's got five returning starters. A lot more of the top tacklers are back. I think they're going to be a much improved on the defensive side of the ball. Now, their schedule's not easy. I've read it the 12th toughest in the country. Talking about road games against NC State. Uh, Lubbock and Texas Tech is never easy. Iowa State and Ames is not easy. Texas, Oklahoma State. And then, of course, home games against Oklahoma and TCU. But to me, the Big 12 is wide open. Oklahoma lost a lot with Mayfield, lost some of the, uh, the defensive uh, side of the ball as well. TCU's very inexperienced on the def- or on the offensive side. And, uh, you know, Texas, is, you know, we're still waiting for them to make that step up. So any of those six teams can win it. Phil Steele joining us here on the Crowley Show. You can check it out, philsteele.com. Get the magazine. Uh, I do every single year, and I read it at the beach, and I'm going to the beach next week, and I'll be reading it uh, there. Uh, Phil, I I did want to ask a question, not specifically about West Virginia, but I can use them as the jumping-off point. They've really had a lot of success with grad transfers and transfers overall. they got a couple coming from the defensive line, uh, one guy from USC and uh, another guy from Clemson. Do they? It seems to me that they do that maybe more than a lot of other teams, and I think geographically them being on the East Coast and having to play in the Big 12 probably factors in, but what are some other teams that do a lot of that? Well, we're starting to see more and more of it in college football, and uh, it's one of the main reasons that, uh, you know, my magazine goes to the press a lot later than everybody else. You know, I look at Joe Burrow going from Ohio State to LSU. Uh, we go out at the end of May after the coaches have had their exit interviews with the players. Uh, you know, some players don't like what they hear in the exit interviews. They have to transfer with the grad transfer rule. Uh, they get signed up in another place pretty quickly. But I've seen it more and more prevalent. In fact, a lot of times, well, you know, I, this year I talked to over 100 head coaches during the uh, spring uh, and we spend about an hour with each head coach going over every single player on the team and sometimes I'll be like coach you're a little thin at this position and they'll be like yeah we're looking to bring a graduate transfer in here so there's still going to be more signed and I think it's just a uh, it's not only a trend right now I think it's a, a way where a lot of teams are looking to fill their needs it's much easier with a graduate transfer than it is with a JUCO because generally JUCOs they take about a year to get up to speed with the FBS level and then the second year they have the big time year right but a graduate transfer has been playing at the fbs level uh, phil when do you have any downtime i mean how much how much time do you put in uh, to the magazine obviously it seems like a lot and in terms of your favorite coaches who are the guys that you like to talk to the most who are the most forthcoming and candid uh, I think the majority of them are, which I really like, because they know if they say something to me, it's, uh, you know, that's where it ends right there. But, uh, probably favorite coaches, I would say, out of the SEC, uh, Jimbo Fishers, uh, one of my favorites to talk to each and every year out of the, uh, Big Ten. Uh, I'll go with, uh, James Franklin. You know, and I, I hate to single out favorites here because there's so many good, good, sure. good coaches. Uh, you know, out of the Pac-12, um, let's go with uh let's go with Clay Clay Helton, the USC. Or no, no, David Shaw of Stanford. I say David Shaw because I could talk to him about NFL stuff as well. He'll, he'll uh I'll talk to him about what the Cleveland Browns draft, for example, and he 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 gives me the time and I really appreciate that. Uh the big the Big Twelve, a lot of good coaches there. I'd have to go with Gary Patterson from TCU. So there's you know, there's so many uh good head coaches out there. I enjoy each and every one of the conversations and uh we start the magazines 
stuff at the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving because some team season is complete. We've got about 15 people working here on the magazine, and then we put six full months into it, a lot, a lot of long hours during that time. So right now, this is like my downtime here. I'm working 50, 60 hours a week just doing radio shows. Uh, it's almost like being on vacation. <laughs> Last couple of things here uh, for Phil Steele. Uh, Phil, when you're putting together the magazine this year, are there four teams that stand out to you that you think, okay, they are clearly the playoff contenders, or do you have a group of 8, 9, 10 that you would consider? Yeah, I'd say a group of 8, 9, 10. There's two teams that I would definitely plop in there uh, that would be and really going out on a limb here, Alabama. And, uh, you know, generally when you look at Alabama, they're always 117, 102nd in my experience level. This year they're number 50 on my experience oh, chart. No. So that's, uh, yeah, they're, they're actually, because they lose so many guys in the NFL, they never have that experience. Now they've got it this year. And when you look at their schedule, they're going to be a double-digit favorite in every single game. So I got a little the pen out, and I put Alabama into the playoffs this year and then the other one was uh we're, we'll let's go to the acc and I'll, I'll tell you after the season ended i said well clemson is going to really have to rebuild that defensive line because they got four guys they're going to leave early for the nfl guess what one by one they all decided to return uh, farrell lawrence wilkins bryant that's the best defensive line in college football perhaps the best defense in college football, and they have a top-ten offense. And Clemson, despite having to play Florida State, Georgia Tech, and a Boston College on the road, I think they'll be favored in every game this year. And uh, those are the two teams that I pretty much feel really, really good about making the playoffs this year. Phil, really appreciate the time. Uh, love the magazine, love all the stuff that you do, and uh, love the fact that you're willing to uh, go on radio here and throughout the country. Appreciate the time. Hey, Adam, always enjoy talking football with you. A lot of fun today. Thank you. Be good. Thanks. There he goes. That's Phil Steele, philsteele.com. He, of course, is an ESPN college football insider as well. Coming up next, you know you're lucky to be Penguins fans, but you don't know why I think you're lucky. That's right. I'll tell you why next. It's a Crowley Show.